1: my it came with a You're locked came into the, the dopest pain. show on radio. I this this is good. Box to
2: Row. I am uh, your host, Donald uh, uh, Ware. Uh, Hope you bad. had a, say a say wonderful, say wonderful Thanksgiving. We got a special run show lined up, up uh, for you today uh, here, on see see up. Up. here on Box to Row, and I'll tell you what—we've had some great interviews this year so far on Box to Row. We've made a couple of expansions. We've done some branding. I mean, it's been. You know, 2020 has been a tough year for a lot of people, uh, particularly for society at large when you're talking about the coronavirus. And so it's been extremely tough. People are still passing away. I hope you're being safe. I hope you were safe uh, around Thanksgiving. Her, hope Again, you hope you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving, but hope you were safe during Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving and so it's been tough we've been able to navigate and do a couple of things here on Box to Row is really really expanding and so we're we're very excited about where things are going with Box to Row so as I mentioned a special edition of the program because it's Thanksgiving weekend right and so what we're going to do is do some replays of some of the interviews that we've had Uh, in 2020 as you know we do a lot uh, with hbcus on this program and one of the gentlemen that had a chance to join us on box to row maybe a couple of months ago or so not quite a couple of months ago or so actor tim reed now you're going to remember the name tim reed from Frank's Place. You're going to remember the name Tim Reed from Sister Sister. And Tim Reed is a Nuffolk State graduate. As a matter of fact, didn't even start out in acting. He, w- he didn't go to school uh, for acting, for communications, anything like that, but ultimately ended up in that field a, a super producer, a super director, Uh, Man, just uh, just a wonderful. It was a great interview. So in this segment, as a matter of fact, here today on the program, a replay of the interview that we had with Tim Reed. Then also today here on the program, had a chance to catch up with UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams. That was about a couple of months ago going to replay part of that interview today here on the program as well then we had a chance to sit down uh via zoom for i think what was supposed to have been about uh maybe a 15 minute interview turned out to be a 30 minute interview with actor omari hardwick of course he played the role of ghost uh and, and i'll tell you what uh Listen, it was. I, I thought it was uh, tremendous. He was very engaged. And the thing about it, Omari Hardwick played collegiate football, and he knows a lot and has an opinion about a lot of different things. So it, I thought it was a phenomenal interview. I thought he did an, a fantastic job. So, again, we're going to replay part of that interview also today on the program. Then earlier in the week, I had a chance to catch up with Chris Fowler, who – Of course, hosted game day, college game day for so many years. He's a guy that is the play-by-play guy for ABC for college football, tagged alongside Kirk Herbstreet, and I had a chance to to really chat with him earlier in the week, and I'm going to replay that interview, as a matter of fact, in its entirety a little bit later on in the program. Again, continue to be safe if you're out and about shopping, if that's your thing, please wear a mask. Please, social or physical distance, please continue to be safe. Even though this is a going to be a show, we're going to do a lot of replays of interviews. We always like for you to participate here on the program. Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You can also hit me on my personal Twitter account, at d one at D-Ware1, follow me. While you're there also on my personal Instagram account at where at where Donald thank you to all the great affiliates around the country that carry box to row of course great affiliates. I mean we just added an affiliate a couple of weeks ago ESPN Coastal uh, so you can you can catch us in Savannah Georgia in Brunswick Georgia you can catch us in Waycross Georgia you can also catch us in Hilton Head South Carolina a wonderful new affiliate of Box to Row those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 those that listen to us on ESPNU radio on Sirius XM and those that listen to us around the world at boxtorow.com so Uh, Without further ado again had a chance to catch up with actor director producer phenomenal actor director producer Tim Reed on the program uh, last month uh, as a matter of fact had a great conversation talked about a lot of different things I mean a lot of different things including about his days as a student at Norfolk State.
3: Norfolk State was uh, instrumental in uh, me uh, growing from a young fella uh, who didn't really know much about life into not only realizing the power of education, but understanding how using that educational period to uh, further my life. I mean, had I not gone to Norfolk State, God knows where I would be, though. You know, it was, again, in context of the times, college was a lot different than it was now. Uh, There was a lot, the uh, the faculty members had a lot more power, and they exercised that power, and they were very demanding, more so than now. You know, you didn't get a trophy for third place back in those times. You had to be first place to get a trophy. Uh, You didn't get, you know, they didn't just give you grades because they didn't want you to have the emotional depression of failure you had to kick it you had to have a certain amount of passion and and it was up to you and they were hard on you and i look back now and i thank god for it um, the instructors that uh, were there for us uh it's a different time and they were they were they were very serious about seeing that we had the, the, not only a good education but that we rose up to the challenge and it was because of that that I was able to leave, and because uh, this was during the civil rights era, you know. <clears throat> uh, and uh, uh, I was one of the first people uh, uh, out of my community to take <laughs> advantage of the passage of the civil rights act and and all those things and become employed in a company that prior to that had never had a black person in a major corporation. had to part they had black people in the factories, but not in management training, and. Uh, I would not have survived had I not been for the training and the experiences that I, I uh, had at Norfolk State University. We went up against, when I graduated, I went into training from DuPont. Every uh, person in my class, there were about 14 of us, not all of us made it. But there was, there were people up front who had graduated uh, from Stanford, Michigan State, Georgia Tech, MIT. Uh, and there I was from a little old place called the Norfolk Division of Virginia State College. We weren't even a full college then. And yet, I managed to not only survive, but prosper. And uh, I was one of only, I think, 12, 10 or 12 to make it through the training program.
2: Were, so were you there when Bobby Dandridge was was at Norfolk State?
3: Yes. Bobby, uh, Bobby and I were there at the same time. And uh, he was on the basketball. I mean... <laughs> That Again, even basketball back then was incredible because we were watching the, the sort of rebirth of basketball when it made that transition from the old school Bob Cousy days into the days of uh, Walt Hazard, Bobby Dandridge, uh, incredible players. You know, they weren't even dunking the ball back then <laughs> until this uh, 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 Earl Monroe who went on to the Knicks, who was at Winston-Salem. Until this day, the best basketball game I've ever seen in my life was played in, uh, at Norfolk State between Norfolk State and uh, Winston-Salem University. It was, it was a phenomenal game, incredible. Old-timers who I meet up with often, that, that game will come up and we'll talk about it. Uh, it, was, it was different times. Do you, do
2: you get back? I, I mean, I'm assuming you went to the CIAA tournament during that time. Do you
3: get back much? uh well i'm not too far from it now when i was in california i would come back my uh one of my mentors who even after graduation i stayed involved with uh, the late uh, harrison wilson whose grandson plays for the seattle state Oaks. yep russell and uh yeah and his grandfather was an incredible man and he was the president of the university for 25 years so after i graduated i would come back occasionally. and he'd grab me one day and say hey you got to show us, you know, you you got a lot from here. We're expecting a lot of you. I want you to put together a program and bring some of your Hollywood friends out here. And that started something that went on for 20 years, and that was a celebrity weekend that everybody that you can think of from Hollywood and sports came, from Ali to everybody came. I mean, a whole cast of, of fresh prints. I mean, it, it just was unbelievable. We raised a lot of money. Really Probably paid for about 140 kids to go through school
2: over those 20 years. Tim Reed joining us on Box to Row on last month. Of course, iconically played the role of Venus Flytrap in the series WKRP in Cincinnati. By the way, if you want to listen to that interview in its entirety, you can log on to the Box to Row Radio Boss website at radio-boss.com commie talks about how how uh his relationship also with bob marley special edition of botch to row i'm your host donald we up next a conversation with unc head men's basketball coach roy
0: williams
3: hey mommy what you doing Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some and I ate the entire bag and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's Beef Jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is so good. And Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet.
2: Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's marjoriesbeefjerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing, North Carolina. Served in Total Wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carboro, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale
5: House.
0: Track down the names making news in sports from the Press Box to Press Row. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row.
2: Happy Thanksgiving weekend and welcome back to Box to Row. Special Thanksgiving edition of the program. Well, as I mentioned a couple of months ago, had a chance to catch up with UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams. We talked about the national championships. We talked about a number of different things, and one of the things we also talked about was his relationship with former Georgetown head men's basketball coach John Thompson
5: coach thompson uh, i've never called him john in my entire life just like i never called coach smith dean and that uh, i would never do it and i still won't ever do it but uh, uh, sometimes i would refer to him as big big john because little john or john the third would be standing there with him kind of thing but uh... he was a great mentor of mine uh, a personal friend of mine a guy that i really enjoyed A guy that even called me last year during the season and said, stop beating yourself up too much. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that cared about me. He was really, really close with Coach Smith. Uh, That friendship was one of the most genuine things you can ever have and something that uh, I admired. Uh, but Coach Thompson was uh, a guy that my first or second year at Kansas, I went and watched some practices. I went back to Georgetown and watched them practice and sat with him after the practice and loved visiting with him. Uh, we'd sit together sometimes on the road and watch games. Uh, uh just enjoyed him immensely. But he was a leader, and he was fantastic on the court, fantastic with his kids and he was far better off the court. He was one of the leaders in not only just the coaching profession, but a leader that every guy or girl uh, that were in charge uh, or in a position of uh, control or uh, of young kids, he was he was one of those guys that uh, you could always learn from. I admired what he did so many times in his career, and it was something to me that... Uh, uh, as I say, he was so big on the court, but he was far bigger off the court in what he did for those kids, and I loved that part of it.
2: Yeah, well said. And then, of course, the passing of Gene Butick, who you have said uh, there would not be a Roy Williams as we know Roy Williams had it not been for Gene Butick
5: Well, Chancellor Butick was the chancellor of Kansas, as you know, when they hired me as the head coach. And... Uh, Uh, Coach Smith and Coach Harp here, Coach Harp was one of our assistants. They still had great ties at Kansas, and if it hadn't been for their influence and those people at Kansas, I wouldn't have even had a chance. Uh, But Chancellor Budig allowed Bob Frederick to make the decision and didn't second-guess him about – hiring a uh, no name assistant coach who had never been a head coach on the college level and uh, uh, he trusted coach I mean Bob, Bob Frederick the athletic director and trusted me and gave me a chance and uh, a lot of uh, chancellors in that position would not have done that particularly when so many people were clamoring to we have to get a head coach we have to get somebody you know this is the University of Kansas and it was not uh, greatly accepted to say the least but they gave me a chance and the biggest group that gave me a chance were the players they trusted what I said from the first day and and we did okay and it ended up being a great 15-year run
2: yeah no I think it did a little bit a little bit better than okay at Kansas but <laughs> what, what were those you know what do you remember most about those days at Kansas
5: Well, at the start, you know, I'd never even been on their campus until the night they offered me the job. I'd never seen the arena, never been on campus. And I'd heard Coach Smith and Coach Harp talk about Kansas and the history and tradition was there. And it was very similar (laughs) to North Carolina, the love of uh, basketball. And it was a passion with those people. And Allen Fieldhouse, was the greatest home court advantage I've ever seen. So uh, people ask me what I miss about Kansas. I say, number one, my friends, because I have great friends there. But number two is Allen Fieldhouse, because, gosh, it was hard for another team to come in there and beat us in the in the Fieldhouse.
2: Yep. Roy Williams, the hit men's basketball coach at UNC, joins us here on the program. The UNC basketball came up with a very powerful Black Lives Matter video, it, you know, it, it sort of reminded me of sort of your open, the open video you have, you all have before basketball games. Speak to how that came together and the importance of it.
5: Well, you know, these are tough times, and these are times which – Uh, you have to show the young men that you understand what's going on and you feel for them and you feel for the African-American population and the police brutality and the racial injustice issues and it's something that I've felt very strongly about for many, many years and you know people were coming out and saying things and we were trying to get a video for the entire ACC head coaches to say some things and decided that I wanted to do one here and all of a sudden uh, uh one night i said hey and this is what i want to do and i uh, threw it out to my staff about doing a video but not just getting you know five or 10 guys i wanted to get somebody from every national championship team that we had, had. and i thought that was uh, one way so you could make that choice uh somebody can't say well why didn't you ask me i would have done it and i said yeah but you didn't win a national championship so it took a little of the pressure off me of choosing but Every player that I ask, and I think they were 20, yes, no coach, yes, I'm in, whatever you want me to do. And you love that. And, and I think, you know, I just did the opening, but uh, uh, everybody was so involved and so Eager to be involved I thought it was a powerful message and you know it's more powerful for the people who are North Carolina fans to say the least because they're going to uh, watch it and listen to what's said and appreciate those individuals but I think it's something that we need to continue doing we need to continue uh, focusing on the problems that we have there and not just make a statement and back up and never do anything else so I'm hopeful that uh, uh, we've, we've got a long way to go, but I'm hopeful we'll keep making uh, making adjustments and making moves and do things the right way.
2: Sure. A couple of last thoughts with Roy Williams here on the program. Coach Williams, can you speak about Dean Smith and, and the role that he played in your life?
5: Well, Coach Smith, to me, was uh, the best I've ever seen on the court, and he was far, far better off the court, just like I said about John Thompson. Uh, but for me, I was a freshman here and played on the freshman team. wasn't good enough to keep playing after that, but I loved the game and knew that I wanted to coach, And uh, but I needed to go work. So I had a job basically the rest of my college career after I stopped playing basketball my freshman year. I worked 24 hours every week. And so I would always find time to sneak in the gym and be sit up there and take notes from practice. Coach Smith allowed me to do that. Uh, the practices were closed and the security guards would run everybody else out, but uh, they allowed me to stay there because Coach Smith said okay. And then later on I started uh, uh, keeping the points for possession chart for him and uh, worked their camp as a high school coach. And I'm sure the fact that I had Coach Smith down as a reference and Coach Guthrie's down as a reference helped me uh, uh, get a good job. And uh, so after five years, uh, he asked me to come back and uh, Uh, be their part-time assistant which as he put it very correctly full-time job part-time pay uh, (laughs) but we survived we were able to eat and that's all that i cared about but uh, he was uh, it was and is still the most influential uh, person in my life when it comes to basketball and really just how you work and deal with people and how you interact because i just think that uh, he was so good there but eighty percent of the things i do on the basketball court, I got directly from Coach Smith.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, the the, the document, uh, documentary, The Last Dance, you recruited you know, Michael Jordan. What did you see in him at that time, and did you believe he was going to be as great as he ultimately became?
5: I don't think anybody saw what he was going to do. We all thought, Coach Guthrie's, Coach Fogler, myself, and Coach Smith, we all thought he'd be a great pro, but uh, he just kept getting better, and he kept getting hungrier. And he would succeed, and that would make him hungrier for something else, and he would work even harder. And he was blessed with great uh, uh, skills and instincts about the game, but uh, he worked at it, and that's what I saw even here. His freshman year, yes, he made the last shot to beat Georgetown in the national championship game, but he was also the defensive player of the game, and that's the first time he won it all year, but he kept getting better and better. And In his sophomore and junior year, he won it over half the time probably because he did play both ends of the court, and he continued doing that in the NBA, but the thing to me was about Michael. Michael's focus was better than anybody. His desire was better than anybody his work ethic was better than anybody and yes he was he was gifted and when you put all that together uh it's fantastic but uh, he he had the best focus the best instincts uh mentally played the game better than anybody I've ever seen
2: last two thoughts what's your relationship with the coach that uh, is 10.7 miles uh, up the road from you coach K you guys are fierce competitors on the court, but seem to have off the court a genuine respect for each other.
5: Well, I, I do. There's no question that I respect uh, Mike and what he's done so much. It's uh, it's incredible what he's done. And uh, I feel very flattered to be part of the greatest rivalry in college sports, I think. Uh, but, you know, we, we're on committees together. We've been on committees together from the NABC for 25 years. And uh, we have a great uh, uh, awareness of what we think is best and so many times it's the same thing we've been so close on our ideas about what's going on in college basketball or college athletics but i appreciate him i appreciate how much he works for college basketball and there's a great deal i said great deal of respect there
2: no question last thought what does it mean to you you i mean to be the head coach at your alma mater, three national championships, started out as an, in essence, started out as an assistant, went away, had a lot of success at Kansas, and then to come back to have the success at UNC and again winning three national championships.
5: Well, feel very lucky and uh, feel like I've been blessed with uh, some players who have played incredibly well for us and stayed incredibly focused uh, in some uh, fantastic runs down to, Uh, five final fours and you said three national championships but I do I feel incredibly lucky and every day I feel that way and every day I try to make sure that I don't uh, cheat this university by not working and doing everything I'm supposed to do and uh, I guess I still coach out of fear fear of failure or or whatever but it's it's something that I do feel like I'm a lucky person.
2: What sort of preparation uh, for you the Tar Heels like as you you know, try at least and prepare for a 2021 season?
5: It's uh, uncomfortable because you don't know what's out there right now. Uh, the council is meeting today and tomorrow, and we think we'll get some guidance on when we can start practice and when the season will start. But they may postpone it themselves and trying to get more information. So it's really hectic. There's not so, there's only so many things you can do. You can work with your team four hours a week, and uh, uh, and that's it right now. Uh, since the guys came back to school, uh, we haven't done any five on five past two times in uh, early July, and then we even quit that. Just getting a lot of shooting in, and we needed some shooting the way we shot the ball last year, so <laughs> maybe that's going to be good in the long term, but we've been doing a lot of shooting. UNC
2: head basketball coach Roy Williams joining us on the program a couple of months ago. Up next on this special edition, the Thanksgiving weekend edition of Box to Row, a conversation with actor Omari Hardwick.
3: You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That
2: is the voice of Kevin Durant.
3: I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and and know that you're going to be, uh you know, they're going to shoot for you as loud as they can,
5: no matter who you're playing.
2: I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams.
3: That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, Julie Focus is really, you know, excited.
2: He's Chadwick Boseman, and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember, most about your days at Howard
3: Howard is like one of those experiences where (laughs) you know it's a it's a bubble you know it's a it's a special moment like I had some great teachers Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers you know I just
6: remember being nurtured
2: to respect black writers Black directors,
1: black actors, as well as the classics, so you got the full scope of what you should experience, and I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it.
2: Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program.
3: I- I've come in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression, and that shows that I've literally grown. I guess on screen, people have seen me from you know a young kid to coming of age into an adult, and I feel like slowly but surely they're not. Taking that Aquila memory out their head, but realizing Aquila is also have you know has grown up. I don't ever wanna be typecasted it as just Girl.
2: That is the voice of Steph Curry.
1: Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride.
2: That's the voice, of course, of T.I. it's some hard times down in the ATL, though, nah, T.I.
5: And if that is understood, it wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay
2: down with the whole thing, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still down down with the skins man what can I say they're, they're not doing too well right now
5: well like <laughs> you know what i mean we gotta hey, hey hey look man we gotta we gotta hold it down so we, we can get it back right again
2: <laughs> that is the voice of maria taylor espn college sports analyst college game day is a show that i grew up watching a, a show that i've always loved i knew
3: that when i was um, able to join i was more than excited i found out the same week as i turned 30 and it's just something that i never dreamed i'd be a part of but something that i'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season it's there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll.
5: Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our uh, offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm
3: just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw... Second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I was trying my
6: best
5: to find an open guy. You know, the difference is, guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference.
2: I'm talking about none other than common.
5: Well, I ended up at FAM just because I wanted to major in business.
3: And, FAM, you had the illustrious School of Business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but at one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured. And I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I. I wanted to do I got into the School of Business and it was definitely a great learning experience for me
2: she's regarded as the best gymnast in the world she's Simone Biles the ESPN Swimsuit Edition
4: actually really fun like to be honest me and Allie had a lot of fun we were like oh of course like, we're in the best shape of our life. we're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women like feel that being strong is still beautiful so that's what we kind of try to do mine was just like, beauty, but also showing muscles, like, I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay. To have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner and i think that's what we got across hopefully it
5: was
2: great greatest football player to ever play jim brown
5: Muhammad ali was a sensible person in the country at the time and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion mm-hmm. all, all the top black athletes together along with carl stoke the first black mayor of a major city so I'm glad you brought that particular
2: incident up Snoop Dogg is on the mic pay attention oh man,
3: thank you for having me Play in a real way I mean I'm so honored Steelview Football League has done so many wonders we got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school we have over 50 kids that have grown in Division
2: 1 WWE Champion Alexa Bliss how does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division 1 level at Akron to being the WWE Champion
4: <laughs> well wow. Uh, after I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout, so and they knew I was a fan. So I went online, and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would follow it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a rollercoaster from there.
2: We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley
3: State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? university why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers
0: and that brought awareness to the school
3: and after that i got drafted to the san francisco 49ers hey everybody what's going on this is anthony anderson international movie star and funny mother and you're listening to
4: from the press box to press row from the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of hbcu sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment check the show out online
1: at wwwbox that's
2: from the press box to press row real relevant radio actor omari hardwick played the role of ghost in power and he's had so many other uh, great uh, performances, film, television, et cetera. And we had a chance to catch up with Omari Hardwick last month here on Box to Row. Talked with him about a number of different things, including his playing days, collegiate football at Georgia. So my first question is, Georgia and Alabama is coming up. Oh, it's Saturday. I know you got to be hyped for that, right?
1: Definitely a contender, but I feel like Kirby's got to, you know, get past that point that we've all seen, which is the sphincter getting a little tight as it pertains to him going against his his mentor, man. Yeah, it's been a whole thing with with the Crimson Tide coming to see him, and in two of those games we were right there in it. That being the national championship, and the and the other uh, national championship. So. This it would it be interesting, man. I'm going for my dogs. You know, I wish I was there. I wish I could watch it, and I should come back on and talk to you after that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you should have a conversation post that game. We sh- we need to. We
2: should. Yeah. Uh, does it matter that Nick Saban not going to be on the sideline? Like, does that? Does that? I mean, I know you. I know you don't care one way or the other. But does that
1: matter? No, I don't think it does.
3: Okay.
1: I don't think it does. I think um, you know. You talk about some of the great coaches that ever existed in the NBA, you know, we talk about the the Phil Jacksons and and obviously Popovich and, you know, what Pat Rowley's been able to do with a great late uh, Red Auerbach and, you know, just different staples in that world. Uh, Larry Brown to me, um, you know, and, and then you think about obviously in, in college basketball and college football, you have respect of those incredible coaches. Well, Nick Saban, as you know, is nothing short of perhaps, um, one of the greatest coaches, period, generally speaking for any sport, collegiate or that professional level that um, that I've ever lived in. So the thing that stands out for me with him is the process, right? He's always talking about the process. Um, And I'm no stranger to that, being an athlete, being a former football player, but also as as an actor, I I, I tend to think in that same way on set, the process. And if you don't cheat the process, the process won't cheat you. So I don't think his physical presence on the sideline is necessarily um, as needed, as it would be for some coaches because I think his process and what he's done preemptively in terms of his craft and, and what he's got his coaches being aligned with and obviously the players, therefore, being aligned with, I think it speaks for itself. So we just need to show up and, and show out. And, again, I think uh, my, my former teammate really needs to embrace that he's in the conversation with being one of the great coaches and that being Kirby. Because yeah. I think he gets to a place where he looks at that guy as – you know, this is a guy that sort of taught me so much. He's a mentor of mine. And I think we're at a good place where maybe this is the year that Kirby finally figures out, you know, how to, how to drop the gauntlet on his, on his mentor, whether he's on the side, or not
2: Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, you were a good football player at Georgia, had an opportunity at the national football league. What do you remember most about those days at Georgia?
1: Oh, um, I would say the humor, right? Because the level of grueling, um, very demanding schedule that you're constantly going through inclusive in that is being awakened with that damn bullhorn at 5 a.m. to run <laughs> and to work out and to end the night with film sessions and that night being closer to 10 p.m. and the training table days uh, the humor just being swung around between the the locker room banter of course which Michael Jordan says you know respective to his world he, he often missed most. Those days in the locker room, all the way to um, again at the collegiate level, being in the, in the in the at the training table and sitting there in the cafeteria and getting it in away from the rest of the student body, like I miss that. I really do miss the camaraderie. I still get it in with Terrell, uh, you know, and and TD and Champ Bailey and Travis Stroud, Robert Edwards, those guys, Hans Ward. Those guys are very close to me, so I can still get it in a bit, but it's a little different than when we were, you know, between the hedges. It was it was special, man.
2: Man, think about, just think about all those names that you mentioned. But that, that was a special time. Like, who who, who was your, I, I don't remember, who was your coach, Um, you know, who who was your coach back then? And, and why did you go to Georgia? Was like Herschel Walker your, like, why did you go to Georgia? Right, right. yeah.
1: So ironically, um, I was recruited by a lot of schools. Uh, and then the three, the four finalists were Ole Miss, Furman University, mm. Berman University, Ole Miss, um, Duke University, Duke okay, Duke University and then Georgia. So the irony is at that time, coming out of a private school, but having grown up in the very black Decatur, Georgia, (laughs) going to a predominantly white school, um, you know, a la what could have happened for Ghost had he gone to choke with, you know, Leela's character of, of Angela, having gone to the private school. It was a reality that down to the four schools that I could have gone to, it was, it was interesting, D, because you had the Duke and the Furman, more of the academic prowess. The football, stronger at Furman, actually, at that time, than it was at Duke, even though Duke was in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But, um, and then you had Ole Miss in SEC, and then you had Georgia in that foe, Wisconsin. My dream was University of Michigan. But between both Schimbrechler and Gary Mola, that kind of didn't work out between that transition – and then I was recruited and offered uh, by, by Wisconsin as well. It just seemed too far for, for the folks to go. So I started out, brother, at Furman University. And then I felt like I didn't mind the reality of being a smaller fish in a bigger pond if that's what it was going to be had I transferred to a bigger school. And then I think I had that itch inside of me as a poet who was already writing, even though I was a 200-pound football player by the time I left Furman. I was about 190, got to Georgia and got to that training table and it went up about 200 pounds. So I just thought about, you know, still being close enough to home, but an hour and a half away, Northwest Mountains, that being Athens. And it was still a, a, a beautiful campus, obviously. The school got better academically. As you know, it's now one of the more difficult schools to get into. But I just kind of put all those things together, put them on the table and thought, even in terms of the art that I could get down with. They had such a great theatrical Program. They had such a great journalism department, which Furman didn't really offer. So it was an easy transfer for me. Ray Goff and them gave me a scholarship immediately. I was back home. And uh, again, as much as I thought I could be a small fish in a bigger pond, I, I wasn't necessarily that small. I, I absolutely learned in a very humbling way that I was kind of prominent on campus. And not just on the football field, but in terms of all the things I did. So those days at Georgia were just such a glorious time for me. But those guys, man, those guys that I forementioned that you say are heavyweight names, Even down to the acting, at those points, D. When I was in school, they were the big names: Terrell, Champ, Ron Bailey, his brother. Um, You know, again, Robert Edwards, Hines, Travis, Terrell Davis. We would spend hours talking about what he thought I could be if I went the route of of art. Definitely thought I could get a shot at football. Kind of maybe thought I'd play three to seven and then be out. And of course, I didn't even get it even to the three point before getting out. But Georgia was was a timeless moment for me that when we go back, obviously I was close to Kirby, as you know, but when we go back, those guys seem to pick up and those conversations seem to pick up right where we left off and right where the conversations left off. It was pretty amazing. So we had Ray Goff, and then he went into uh, Donnan, who had coached, of course, Randy Moss at Marshall. And then Donnan went into uh, Coach Rick, and then we brought in our homeboy, and that being Kirby. And, of course, in bringing in an ex-teammate, it's brought all of us back, which is a beautiful thing. So many of the the players that played between that 92 point and that 96 season, all of us have found our way back from Herschel to, to uh, Andre Hastings. Um, you know, of, of course uh, the great running backs, it's always been running back you, Lars Tate, Tim Worley, you know, all of these Garrison Hurst can't forget.
3: Yeah.
1: So, you know, it was a special time and uh, Eric Zier, Mike Bobo was my quarterback. You know, Robert Edwards moved from corner to running back, which was a cool kind of moment for me because that's when he went to the coaches and said, I think, you know, Amari should be starting. And that didn't end up happening. I got so much play time, but I remember Robert really vouching for me and going, this this guy's got it. Um, but you know how it is, I was a transfer, as Terrell Davis was. And so some of us transfers actually didn't really get a lot of that playing time because the politics start at that level. And I get it, you know, the coaches had recruited who they had recruited, even though we had been offered. You know they came in with the guys that they came in with, and here we are transferring in. So a lot of those, a lot of those, um, those moments. I think about Terrell Davis not even getting the playing time that that he could have gotten, and then obviously now he's in all of fame. And so it's kind of interesting, bro. All of it.
2: No question about it. That the voice of the one and only Omari Hardwick joins us here. Last couple of thoughts: a boy, a girl, a dream. So apropos mm. now, like I, that's not getting enough play. As far as I'm mm. concerned, I thought you and Megan Good did a phenomenal job. You know, what What about that project?
1: Man, that's crazy that you say that. I got one of your colleagues, and I can call him that, because he is, and one of your contemporaries, and that being Stephen A., he hit me about three weeks ago, and he texted me, and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? A boy or girl a dream. Yo, I'm sitting there surfing, you know, the channels or whatever. I'm on Netflix or whatever he said he was on, and he said, this is unreal. And that was just such a compliment because... It's been an interesting thing for the world to learn how much Omari is a fan of sport, and also Omari comes from sport. But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. And not just you as a great journalist, but also the Kyries, the Draymond's, the Emmanuel Sanders, the Sony Michels, who comes obviously uh, from my alma mater, the Saquon Barclays. There's so many athletes who are about Omari. And not just ghosts, but about my journey. And it it blew my mind, and they must have felt something in that. So Stephen A, obviously being right there in that, he's so humbling because he equally challenges me and lets me know when he doesn't think the work is as on point as it should be. But then he lets me know in a very flattering way when it's really on point. And so I don't think um, that Kasim Basir, who's the incredible director, who made that film in one take, bro. Wow. There's no cuts on that. That's a 90 minute one take that obviously was equally as challenging for me and for Megan. And, you know, uh, the Tari Turner being the producer who came to me and said, Kass has this idea. And I knew Kassim Basir. He had done this great uh, movie called Muslim and did a great job with that. And I was friends with him. Um, But in those moments where you realize uh, Jay Ellis, obviously, as you know, Jay Ellis is in that as well. You realize that you got these people that you've known as actors that being Jay, who I've known for a while. Uh, I met him when I did a uh, Blackboard Wonder, which was the PSA that I did for Trayvon Martin when the verdict came in and Zimmerman got off. I met Jay Ellis during that time, but I knew Megan since she was 16 years of age. And as you said, so apropos, not only to the election then, but to the election now, so apropos. And yet at Sundance, bro, the standing ovation came from a legion of people who in skin color and in age look like they would definitely vote perhaps for a direction that we as people in a different skin color and younger in age would not vote. Correct. They would have been standing and going crazy at, at, at Sundance showing of it in Utah. And so that just warmed my heart, bro, to think that we could actually not only extend ourselves within the demographic of age and, and within culture that you and I think would go watch that movie, but we extended even beyond that. And, and it says a lot about our country. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A. said he liked it, and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it, then it then it really does speak to something.
2: I'm in good company. We're we're HBCU guys, you know. So we're
1: you know I, I know I'm in good oh, company. Of course, bro. <laughs> I, I did the uh, shout outs to Howard University. I did their uh, first ever epic 2020 um, homecoming virtual homecoming, and that'll be on Saturday. Uh, my niece, who is actually a junior at Howard, she co-hosted with me, so. You know I got number love for for HBCU. Always will.
2: Absolutely, yeah. You know I wonder. It'd been nice if you had come a little bit up the road from Furman to maybe South <laughs> Carolina State. Got a good program. You know what I'm saying, Omari?
1: At Furman, we played them. Yeah. That was one the, that was one of the more competitive games. Of course, they got it in, bro. I had a great game that game too. But they had <laughs> they had some receivers, bro. They had some, you know. And in high school, I was both, you know, running back and DB, but. Coaches always say it's hard to find great DBs, right? It's hard to find a guy that can backpedal and naturally turn with someone going that fast forward. So, of course, it became DB in college. But South Carolina State ain't nothing to slouch. Ain't nothing to slouch, bro. Talk to me. That's right. Absolutely.
2: Omari Hardwick, again, joining us on Box to Row. Up next here on the program, we're going to talk with Chris Fowler. Yes, that Chris Fowler as we talk college football. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in Total Wine all over North Carolina, Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia, Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carboro, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House.
0: It's Donald Ware, from the Press Box to Press Row.
2: Again, as I mentioned, as you're back here with us on Box to Row, Chris Fowler had a chance to catch up with him earlier in the week. We talked about a number of different things, including a lot of college football uh, and the excitement of
6: the college football season. I'm good, man. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. I mean, we're, we're here. We are we're, we should be focused on what we what we do have, and what we're grateful for, and it's been a tough year for so many. It's been a tough season for the players and coaches, but uh, navigating the best we can. And I think that for them, nothing we've seen is really surprising. We knew there's going to be difficulties, but here we are on the stretch run, and and it looks like we, we might get to the finish line, which is which is a blessing after a lot of months of uncertainty, right?
2: Yeah, no no question about it. And of course, on on Saturday, I mean, you know, the the Alabama Auburn game is. Generally that game, maybe not as much this year, but, you know, we, we who knows, Auburn could uh, could come out and, and, and handle Alabama. But I want to start here with you. Any reason to think that this initial college football playoff ranking, we won't see Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, particularly uh, in light of the fact of uh, who's sort of behind uh, those four right now, maybe not doing as well.
6: I mean, it'd be a shock if those weren't the four teams in some order. Sometimes that's the key issue when the committee gathers and when they put out that first set of rankings. The big question is, okay, you know, who's four, who's five? Or you know, I think that the order of one through four will be more fluid than ever this year. First of all, these teams have all shown that they have weaknesses and flaws, and they're not unbeatable, including Alabama and Auburn. I mean, that's the kind of rivalry game where it's in Tuscaloosa, but it doesn't mean as much as it usually does. The crowd isn't packing that place with 100,000, and Auburn is certainly capable. And Alabama, is it's not like they have, you know, one of the great vintage defenses they've had. Now they're hitting their stride, and they're a favorite for a reason. But those four teams, I think, are going to be there. And then, then we'll look and see tonight the key issues are you know, how high ranked is Cincinnati. Uh, Florida's going to be right there. Florida, The, the Florida versus A&M thing. Now, the Gators should win their last three, should play Alabama for the conference championship, and if they win, obviously that's a no-brainer, and the SEC might get two teams in if Alabama has just the one loss. But if Florida loses for a second time, um, they'll still try to make a case versus the other teams out there, but it won't be as strong a case, that's for sure, especially if they get whacked. That, that game will matter in Atlanta, how the SEC stretch run plays out um, and then, you know, Wisconsin would have been very much in the conversation had they not fallen flat against Northwestern. But there's still a lot to be sorted out. But I don't think there's great suspense about the first four at all. Um, let's, just, let's just see what it looks like beyond that. Uh, how, where do they rank? Oregon, which is the team to beat out west. And they're winning games but not overwhelming people. Is that enough? When they have a, a compressed schedule, they'll have fewer games than the people they're being compared against. Is seven is and zero going to be enough, or do they need to be, you know, kicking butt out there on the west? Well, we'll get a clue tonight, I think, when the rankings come out.
2: Yeah, no, in Florida, I mean, Florida looks very good. Let let me throw this at you. So, um, Cincinnati, I mean, undefeated right now. Let's say Florida loses uh, another game. Let's say Clemson uh, loses, perhaps, to Notre Dame in the uh, ACC championship game. It looks like we're on course. Uh, for that could we see uh, Cincinnati in the college football playoff when it's all said and done
6: Oh yeah if you're comparing an undefeated Cincinnati team which still needs to look good I mean they were blasting people in the American Conference until a, a close win on the road against UCF which is hey listen it's not easy to beat UCF in a shootout and you get credit for that win but they didn't overwhelm them they didn't you didn't watch that game and go okay this is clearly one of the best four or five teams, you, you know, they have more work to do, but you're talking about a two loss Clemson team. If they lost again to Notre Dame, I mean, I don't think they could make a great case, a, a two loss Florida team where they, they blew a game late at A&M um, with a fumble and, and then lost a close game to Alabama. But the problem is if A&M wins out, you, you got to go with A&M over Florida. If they beat them head to head. They would have less losses. So that that's sort of the conversation where are they going to rank these teams? Um, and, and even though the suspicion might be in the minds of a lot of people, well, Florida is a better team. You lose head to head. You have more losses than a team in your conference. It's tough for the committee in my view to rank them higher, but you you just, you just got to look really good. We knew that style points, which have always been important in a subjective situation, like the playoff rankings are even more important now because the playing field is not level. Teams are playing different numbers of games. Sometimes through no fault of their own, but that's just that's just 2020. But, yeah, we'll get a glimpse tonight, and I think the rankings will be fluid. They're going to change. Don't get all locked in on the order of the first four. That, that'll change, I'm sure, as these games unfold. But it's just a glimpse of kind of where they're, what they're thinking, and that, that's what's always interesting about the first set of rankings. Don't go crazy. You just get an idea about where we stand right now um, at the end of November in terms of uh, the strength of these teams. Talking college football with the one and only Chris Fowler, who joins us here on From
2: the Press Box to Press. I can remember going back, Chris, maybe six or seven years ago. Coastal Carolina comes to Greensboro, plays North Carolina A&T, gets out of Aggie Stadium because of a missed extra point by North Carolina A&T. Now Coastal Carolina's, you know, undefeated top 20 team uh, in the country looking at just some seven years later. How great is that? A story: What Coastal Carolina is doing for college football?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this year's had stories like that. I mean, at, at a higher profile, at Cincinnati, it's BYU, and Marshall's sitting there at seven and zero. The Ragin' Cajuns are a top twenty-five team. Liberty almost went to three and zero against the ACC. I mean, had a field goal blocked against NC State, and then you got Coastal sitting there. And I, I think, I mean, to me you know, I I wish you had a chance to, to see more games. It's kind of hard to catch their games on on TV, but you know, it's a wonderful story. It's a program that, you know, we always used to worry about the Chanticleers in basketball season, right? Like they got to pull a big upset. And you know, what, what, what are they going to do when March madness begins? Now you got fall madness with sitting there at number 16 at eight, eight. No, they're going to blast Texas state. I mean, they're going to keep going. And then, then you've got, I know they were, folks were kind of disappointed that, um, Liberty lost because that Liberty Coastal showdown in a couple of weeks, I think it's still a great show. I think it's a possibility College Game Day could be there. I, I don't speak for that show. I haven't hosted it for a while, so I don't want to get in trouble there. But I know that, you know, Coastal Carolina and Liberty would be a true 2020 uh, symbolic showdown game on December 5th there. So I, it may, maybe it'll. Ha- I mean, it's going to happen, but it, maybe Game Day will be there. There'll be a lot of eyes on that. Like I said, it's, Liberty was so close to getting there and undefeated, which would have been even more fun.
2: No, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing. Uh, I mean, we, you're talking about a couple of uh, former FCS programs less than ten years ago. You know, top twenty-five cusp of top twenty-five teams. A couple of more thoughts with Chris Fowler. We appreciate. Be careful with though Chris with, Fowler with Fowler the rankings. Appreci- I, I
6: will say this, man. I will say this. This is a year for all those programs. To get a ranking, I think we know that in a, in a regular year the the rankings might not look the same, but who cares about that? I mean, it, they you know they're on the field, they're eight and zero, and and the rankings are what they are. But but it's certainly been I think one of the fun aspects of this season to have you know coastal, as I said, Marshall, um, Louisiana. And then, you know, obviously BYU doing well, Cincinnati doing well. It, it's about time. You, we don't want this sport to be just about the power five. And we fall into that trap of talking only about the bracket, only about the power five, only about the playoff relevance. And I hate that word. There's a lot of football being played out there. Teams deserve credit for navigating through and, and, and dealing with 2020 stuff because it's a test of your culture of a program. It's a test of your toughness and your resilience and the chemistry And your creativity as a staff, handling your business, just getting to the starting gate, much less getting through the season. All those teams we talked about, these group of five teams, have done a hell of a job, and that deserves to be celebrated.
2: No, no question about it. So you're here on behalf of Dos Equis. Uh, what, uh, What can fans do to still save their Saturdays?
6: Yeah, it's been a great program all season long, and fans have had to get creative, right? You've got to find ways to get the enjoyment out of it, even if you can't tailgate in the same way. You can't necessarily go to the stadiums, but for the last weekend, you can text SOS to triple zero, save our Saturdays, SOS 7700, and you get you know, in the mix for a great group of prizes that Dos has been awarding to fans throughout the season. It's a cooler that's six feet long, the safe foot cooler. It's it's a, a grill that converts to a cornhole game. It's a bunch of stuff like that that make home tailgating fun. You can use it beyond this season. But it is sort of the final weekend of the contest. And it's been neat. I mean, I, I think it's just symbolic of what we have to do to sort of – we love the sport. It's not the same. But we still got to find a way to enjoy it and get together We're safely you know, with families and, and friends at the end of the season. And, and, and those Equis has been, I, I think, providing a great chance to do that.
2: Yeah, last quick thought. Who's impressed you this year the most?
6: who individually a a team wise, I mean, Northwestern has been a great story, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're winning close games. They out Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they're going to win the big 12, a big 10 West. I mean, and they, they should, if they handle their business, they got three games that they should win, but they should be close. If they get there undefeated and take on Ohio state for a conference championship, that would be an unbelievable testament to the season. They come to mind because nobody expected that necessarily from Northwestern. So I mean, in terms of really, real pleasant surprises beyond the teams that we've just talked about that are on the edge of the radar screen, I mean, Northwestern, to me, is super impressive. For more
2: information on Save Our Saturdays, dose slash save-our-saturdays. The one and only Chris Fowler joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Chris, we appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do.
6: Thanks. Have a great Thanksgiving.
2: I got to get ready to run here on Box to Row. Hope you enjoyed today's program, of course, in the next couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks or so, it's going to be our annual year-end review show on the program, so that should be uh, super exciting this s- uh, year. Again, continue to stay safe this weekend if you're out and about. Enjoy your time with family, etc. but be responsible and continue to be safe. And always remember to support those that support Yopax Toro is presented by DW Communications.